0: Are you ready i'm ready <laughs> had your coffees i have my two coffees
1: so i'm a bit i've had a i've had a big coffee already so my son wakes me up really early so oh, okay. um, and he well he usually wakes me up and gets really cross with me because i don't want to wake up and so then there's usually a bit of you know mummy, and then ripping ripping off of my eye mask so yeah a really strong coffee for me is absolutely essential Totally.
0: I really want to thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Uh, we include those, um, uh, exactly this kind of mapping things out. And I was like, we need to have balance on this map. And you have a map behind you. So for those listening, Jenny has a map behind her and it, it's very suitable for what we're trying to do here. I am very excited to have you um, sharing more about balance, sharing more about what your organization is trying to do. How did it, go so far. Where are we? Where are we going? All together, I feel really that this is a very um, strong community. I just hope it gets a little bit more (laughs) tight-knit so we know more of each other. And this is why you're here. So welcome to the podcast, Jenny. Thank you
1: so much for having me.
0: Um, you have launched Balance a while back, but I've only discovered it recently, I think through a referral. Um, I'm very curious what is balance uh, fully from your like perspective, what are you trying to do with it?
1: Good question. So Balance is a diversity equity and inclusion consultancy we operate exclusively in the space of recruitment and hiring. So what that means is that everything that we do has a focus on helping companies be more inclusive, more equitable and more accessible with how they recruit. And we do that in a number of different ways. So there's lots of companies out there that are focusing on DEI and there's lots of generalists. We stay in our lane and we are Mm. um, an absolute specialist in the hiring space
0: amazing and you've you've already mentioned like you you specialize but you have a couple of specific let's say validated methods give us a snippet we're going to probably detail it more but i'm like what is it that balance is offering like off the shelf things that you're like this this is we we, we do it works and yeah have it have us in mind for that
1: so um Firstly, there's our training programmes. So we have a number of very, very established training programmes. Probably the most um, common and popular one is our inclusive recruitment programme, which we deliver to any recruiting decision-maker. It's um, it's a very interactive, very conversational-based programme. So what we don't do is a lot of um, presentation and... Um, sort of just pure knowledge transfer based training everything that we do is about interaction and conversation in a psychologically safe environment and the program is all built around understanding the recruitment life cycle then understanding the recruitment life cycle through the lens of barriers and biases and how privilege an unearned advantage can influence recruitment and selection decisions. And then the final part of our programme is facilitating and helping individuals to design solutions to the challenges and the problems that they've, they've identified. So it's extremely practical. It's very much about activating people's understanding and lens around inclusive recruitment. Then the other piece that we do is audits. So I used to run large international um, hiring teams that was what i did before i set up balance so i understand every part of the recruitment ecosystem because it, it used to be my job so we will go in and we will audit a company's recruitment ecosystem across six different pillars to understand where the key barriers are to being inclusive equitable, and accessible so we help them to understand where are the biggest leaks in their leaky bucket essentially and then finally sort of the third the third piece is that we also create e-learning for companies as well so that they can create a culture of ongoing and continuous learning for their for their people because a one-off intervention as much as that is incredibly important in terms of activating people creating personal accountability and awareness which is important People have habits that they've developed over a very long period of time. Also, people leave, people join. Um, So there needs to be an ongoing access to learning when it comes to inclusive recruitment. So we also help companies create e-learning so that they have that off the shelf, um, but also kind of rich learning available to their people all the time.
0: All right. It really makes me think of this maturity model for DEI, where you have organizations that are in a reactive phase, you have some organizations that maybe are in the proactive phase, and then some organizations that are in the sustainable phase. You seem to have developed a an offering that meets everybody where they're, they are, Um so I love to see that. I think it's really beneficial for everybody to realize, first of all, do that audit. Where am I in this, in this framework? And what type of tools and methodologies can I adopt um, to move to the next phase, right? Um, super, super interesting. You said you've, you've been in recruitment before, and at some point you decided to do this pivot. What inspired you to start a business in the DEI field, first
1: of all? Few different things. So the the moment where I decided I was going to set up Balance, I was in a in a permanent role. I was in a leadership position, overseeing recruitment for a really really exciting company. Um, We had twenty two different offices around the world, and um, I oversaw a team based in the UK. But it was a and then also sort of oversaw recruitment globally as well. And I was asked. By the leadership of this business to establish a global women's council, which, if someone asked me to do this today, I would say no. But at the time, I thought it was a really interesting challenge and I was given budget. And so I went for it. And it was really interesting doing lots of kind of insight sessions with this council to understand why women felt disadvantaged in this business and that there weren't the same kind of equal opportunities for them and so it just was a learning journey and i started to understand you know what lack of equity you know looks like in a in a real sense and that really activated my interest i then went on to found the london london offices dei um, council as well and set up their first strategy for diversity, equity, and inclusion um, in partnership with a couple of colleagues. And then set about creating and executing a global inclusive recruitment strategy, which was really interesting because you've got stakeholders in lots of different countries, recruiters in lots of different countries. I encountered lots of resistance, challenges, (laughs) politics, barriers. I also really, really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. But I realized that if I set up my own consultancy, that I would by virtue of that, be working with companies that were much more intentional with their goals, had already decided that this was something that they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be pushing it internally. I would be helping them to activate it. And so that's really how it all came about. And and um, and it was and I was right to do it because now my clients, I'm not saying everybody's in the perfect place or everybody reacts perfectly to how I can help them, but they are all actively on the journey Mm -hmm. to create more inclusive and welcoming hiring experiences for candidates from underrepresented backgrounds. I'm not having to create that business case for them or moral or ethical case.
0: Over and over again. I I saw... (laughs) I so identify with this a little bit because I I was interviewing, I think before I moved to Barcelona, I was like, okay, let's assess what's in the market. How are people doing? Like what, what is happening? And I was discussing with this very interesting, very interesting startup, a super interesting head of, a head of talent. And I was like, okay, what's your DEI strategy? How are you feeling about it? And the answer was, well, our CEO, we need to kind of place it like carefully on the agenda. And I'm like, "Mm, no, (laughs) been
1: there, done that. It's fine. Like, (laughs) no, No, it's for me, like, like that's an immediate red flag. You know, the company says to me, you know, we really need to be very careful about how we we put this on the CEO's agenda. I'm like, no, not interested, absolutely not. Not going to work for any companies where the CEO or any part of the leadership team needs convincing that this is, is what they should be doing. Because the, the benefits of a more diverse and inclusive workforce are so well evidenced now. They've been around for, you know, for you know a decade plus. Um, the information is all there. So any CEO, in my opinion, who is not engaged with the topic is not engaged because they're personally threatened Mm -hmm. by the topic and Mm -hmm. that's a problem for me. So yeah, like you, I would, I would just go red flag and I'm I'm out (laughs) of here. (laughs) Call
0: me later when you're Um, But uh, you kind of find yourself now in the situation where you can, let's say, pick and choose, right? Um, but there's still a lot of work to empower the people that you discuss with, whether they are talent leaders or business leaders. I'm very curious. What are your methodologies to make sure that while they receive this information and this insight and this consultancy, they they continue with it, right? They they feel
1: empowered to take it and and multiply it, right? Mm. Um, any yeah so it's all about that first kind of program i guess that i take them through and activating their personal accountability and i do that by taking them on a journey and i go on that journey with them so the program is is very carefully crafted to take them on a journey in a non-judgmental way in a, in a psychologically safe way where if anybody needs to Um, highlight a poor example it's always me because I've got a bank of 20 years of recruitment experience where I can that I can draw on where I can say well look this is how I created barriers for people this is where my biases impacted selection decisions so I'm their safe space if and they can then go on that journey and understand for themselves and discover for themselves what inequality in employment opportunities actually looks like and the part that privilege plays and how biases show up in so many different ways and that actually we have very little control over that. Um, And that is that has and and I think will always remain my strategy because then they leave it with a light bulb moment and it creates that um, or initiates the behavioural change that is required because they have decided for themselves that things need to be different. You cannot, you know, you cannot, you can lead a horse to water, right? You cannot make it drink. And it's exactly the same with any aspect of DEI. Um, People have got to decide for themselves that they want to do something about it. And then the other really big important part is that they need to be empowered to co-create the strategy for change. Again, if you hand feed it to them, they haven't been part of that process, so they will never be bought into it in the way that they will if they've co-created the solution. So, you know, I talk about my programs being training programs, but I can't really think of any other description for them, but they're way more than that. They're a journey you know, a journey to a better way of, of doing things. And um, I find it really hard to describe that in marketing materials. I end up getting really frustrated and saying, look, can you just come on the, come on the, journey with me and then you'll see what it's like
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you can make the path right like so uh, you just i mean i love that and i think more of us uh, could work in this framework like save space by shared experience right we're in this together i've been where you are the fear can be gone you know we can we can focus on the things that matter which is change um but then co-creation right and people feel responsible accountable and also proud right um eventually of the results so this is, um... I, I guess the way to do this now, and it also can scale to a certain extent. I am very curious from uh, from your experience. We can name names only if you want, right? Uh, we're not shaming anybody on this podcast, but we are praising and we are recognizing. Um, but I am curious if there is a particular success story where balance led to some tangible improvements in the organization for DEI uh, aspects, uh, a, a, a collaboration you had that you were, maybe really proud of? And you're like, yes, this is my staple kind of (laughs) product.
1: Mm. So I'm proud of, I'm proud of every client that I have worked with and they will all have taken what I've given them and I guess implemented it, executed it, carried it on in different, in different ways. And for my own, for my own sanity, um, I try and see every client and every sort of project as a success because I'm not um, I'm not able to influence, you know, what they do once my, my once my time with them has ended. But just to kind of talk about some particularly kind of proud, I guess, snippets. Um, so one one client that I, I absolutely loved working with. Um, an ad agency called Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. They, um, They brought me in initially to do an audit, and then we sort of took that into more of a transformation program. But as part of that transformation program, we agreed that we would take absolutely every decision maker, every recruitment decision maker through the program. And... That meant that we took their hiring managers, anybody involved in recruitment, but also all of their external recruitment partners um, that they've worked with for years through the program, so that everybody was absolutely on the same page. And the reason that I hail that as a success story is that is that they were up for it. Yeah. You know, and they and they and we started also, we started with the top, you know, we went from the top down. Um, And including their partners as well, you know, that was them committing to paying for my time to train their external recruitment partners. And to date, they've been the only company that have done that with me. And I'm sure that that has had an impact in terms of how their external partners now service their business. So that's one that I, I think really, really fondly of. Uh, The other um, is a company that I've worked with more recently uh, called We Are Social. They're a a global digital social agency. Probably the name gives it away a little bit. And again, they've just been really, really curious and brave in terms of how they've worked with me. So our conversation started with, we really, really want to get how we we collect and analyze and use data right. So that's how it started. And this is something that Companies often aren't thinking about, but data is an amazing measurement of inclusive recruitment. So, if you are, you know, collecting the right data in the right respectful manner as well. So, there is a lot of nuance around how you ask for people's um, information, how you explain the use of it. They really wanted to get that right, and so it started with that, and then it sort of transcended into an audit and then um, a, a roadmap for change, and we took them through our train the trainer program so they're now rolling out our training internally themselves across all of their leadership team and the sort of success story there i guess is a few there's a few different points to it one the leadership team um have fed back positively that they do really like the fact that the program's led internally um so it's their head of ta and their lnd person that's um leading it mm-hmm. they have really taken a lot of the recommendations from the audit and implemented them quickly. So, which again, is, is really, really key because quite a lot of the time I'll audit a business and then sort of six months down the line, they're still dragging their heels a little bit, Yeah, putting things, you know, putting the change through. So that's another key success story, and they've also given you know really nice feedback in terms of what they think the um, the impact of the work has been. So there's you know there's a few, and I could I could talk about more, but those are the ones those are the ones that really spring to mind.
0: And I love both of the examples because one, I think in the recruitment world, we sometimes underestimate how large the the ecosystem is in terms of who brings people in how are decisions made um <laughs> cuz sometimes like i see on these forums ah oh, recruiters i'm like yeah but there are 16 other parties in this conversation before we even consider something right sure. um so it's very important to to hear that uh, people understood that in your first example and of course the second is like uh, the, the, the quickness, right? There's, I think there is a, a, a syndrome a bit that I observe when people have a very good first intention to do a survey, to do an audit, but because nothing is applied afterwards, there is also increased suspicion somehow if, should we do this next time? Should we actually consider it? Why are we doing it if we're not actually actioning it? Right. And that's the case with a lot of engagement surveys in general, in, in organizations, not just DI uh, kind of audits, um, where the distance between the question and the solution is just too big so we don't trust it anymore
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i suppose the way because because i do appreciate that the recruitment e- ecosystem is enormous and way mm-hmm. way bigger than most companies realize and more complex than most companies realize when we audit we focus on creating them a heat map yeah so that okay. so that they understand that there are six components to the audit but say it might be that their weakest area is talent attraction. So perhaps you know perhaps their assessment and their um, actual sort of awareness of bias and the interventions they have in place to disrupt bias are actually really really positive. But actually their talent attraction is is really really weak. You know there's no they just advertise in one place. Their adverts are really. Um, Biased from a language point of view, perhaps they're just you know way too long. All the things that we we know kind of can cause issues and deselection points. And so when they're presented with their audit, they would be presented with a okay, you, yes, we're going to give you a roadmap for change, but we're going to give you one specific place that we want you to start and focus on, which is talent reach and talent attraction. And until you've identified and rectified, well, we identify the challenges for them until you have you know, rectified this and you've really opened up your reach and diversified your talent pool, we don't think you should think about anything else. And so by doing it that way, it minimizes and makes the challenge and makes it not you know less overwhelming
0: uh, attainable correct yeah, yeah. And,
1: and, yeah. and and realistic and, and attainable so that's re- yeah. that's really important part of the way that we audit and then we say okay your second weakest area was assessment or something like that so but we think actually that you should you know we you should address that in six months time because although it's your second weakest area the biggest hole in your leaky bucket is talent attraction so and that can sometimes be difficult for them to stomach because they're like well no we want to deal with all these problems and it's like well you can try (laughs) but you won't you won't manage it so you know a change program is always going to be about prioritization so we really really encourage them to prioritize
0: Looking ahead, uh, what are some of your plans uh, for balance?
1: I would really love to grow balance, which is always a challenging thing when you are a bit of a solopreneur and, you know, we're completely bootstrapped. We've never gone down the route of looking for investment or anything like that. So I have, so balance is predominantly me and I have a number of really great partnerships that Where I collaborate. So I have a second business called Inclusive Recruitment Foundations, which is an e-learning platform for recruiters to to understand DEI at a high level, but also how inclusive recruitment plugs into that. Um, And I created that with my business partner, Jo Major, who has her own business diversity in recruitment. So we want, to, we want to really grow the e-learning side of the business because we feel that flexible digital on-demand training is a very accessible way for businesses to, to upskill at scale. I have a, a broad network of associates that I use to help me deliver my training programs. Like really really amazingly talented individuals with a you know broad lived experience who I can bring in when the program is bigger than than you know than me to deliver and I'm just about to launch a partnership um f- and, and re um relaunch our approach to audits um in partnership with a business called talent spaces so um more about that more, you'll see more about that um in the next few months online okay i would i would like you know balance to grow in terms of um in terms of headcount and i would love the business to become the go-to place for inclusive recruitment solutions And by that, I mean anything to do with audit, advisory, strategy, and learning and development. Um, We're never planning to become a recruitment business.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are cheering... And folks, you heard it here first. We are scaling. We are moving into a space of go-to uh, for everything you need for your DEI efforts. Uh, Jenny here, I'm sure. I mean, I, I do, first of all, I do love your network. I think it's really powerful. It has a lot of already boots on the ground in a lot of different businesses. And you have a very deep understanding of the, let's say, um, global problems that might arise from when you're trying to build other businesses. Um, but I also understand there needs to be some flexibility because the market is very volatile and there is a certain um yeah question I guess that arises all the time you're on the market
1: for five years now with balance so not it's not quite so I started the business in 2019 I actually um was only running balance for six months and then I actually had my son
0: Oh, so um,
1: so, yeah and then we obviously went into the pandemic and life changed so I relaunched balance in September 2021
0: That is why. Okay, perfect. Um, So you've already mentioned, because I was like, what were some of the maybe hardships of getting this up and running? Uh, But you've already had some natural things like pandemics (laughs) and crisis, (laughs) but also some joyful things like your son is uh, is here. And um, I'm I'm sure the priorities have shifted very quickly. From your solopreneur-entrepreneur life cycle so far, um, what was maybe harder than you estimated
1: um i think and not wishing to be you know negative but i think actually sometimes the business development conversations with clients so most most conversations get initiated by prospective clients they've seen my content they've yeah. they found my website and they come to me and um, and they ask me to you know create a proposal for work and i i've I misunder I I guess I underestimated the lack of professional etiquette there is out there within Mm. some businesses when it comes to looking for a, a DEI partner or a inclusive recruitment supplier. So that's been probably the, the the most disappointing part is, you know, being asked to create proposals by companies who've identified me as a potential supplier and then, you know, not actually receiving any, you know, any further communication once it's been submitted or, or no feedback. And I guess it's exactly how candidates feel, right, when they apply for a job and or they interview for a job and they never hear anything again. So yeah, that's been I think the hardest, the hardest part. And there was a I realised there was an element of naivety at the beginning where I genuinely thought that if you submitted a a detailed proposal on request, that as an absolute minimum, you would always get a response to say, we've really considered this carefully, um, but... It's not quite what we're looking for um, and this is why. but actually I've discovered that that isn't that isn't a, a standard expectation. And the irony is that often the individuals who are asking for these proposals work in the DEI department and have the word inclusion in their job title. Um, so it's ironic, but that would be you know that's my unpopular opinion. <laughs>
0: No, but it's interesting because I do ask this question quite a bit to all our guests, I think, maybe 95%. And everybody gives different answers, which is also very interesting to paint somehow the hardships of entrepreneurships in this space. There are many, um, and I uh, want us to be ready, but that doesn't mean we should give up. That doesn't mean we should like not do the work that we are so passionate about doing and also so necessary for us to do it. Um, how do you balance out these moments of... Disappointment and maybe you know <laughs> flattening out energy uh, with the great clients that you work with and the high moments. Where is your balance? How do you find um, yourself somehow in the story? I, I also feel it's a it's a type of work that can pull you in so much that you start identifying with the business, but you are not the business. You are your own person with your own kind of other, let's say complex <laughs> dreams and, and hopes and fears. Um, and for those listening uh, to we include, a lot of them are potential future founders or early founders as well. Um, and we're trying to collect also a little bit like, what do people do to keep that energy going? So I'm curious
1: for, for yourself, what is that? So, I'd say speaking specifically to anybody who has also founded a business in this space or is thinking of doing it, my um, there's a few different things that I think helped me. One is that through setting up Balance, I've gotten to know some really amazing individuals who are now in my kind of inner support network. And it's a reciprocal piece, right? So, they also... I would hope to think that they lean on me as much as I lean on them. So I'll give you a great example. So the wonderful um, Joe Major, who I co-founded Inclusive Recruitment Foundations with, Joe and I, technically competitors, we're both in the same space, spoke on a panel together about a year and a half ago, and we have been collaborators, co-creators and friends ever since. And Joe is someone that I can go to and literally say, I'm having the worst week ever. I feel like I've been exploited or I feel like I'm not being valued for what I do. And she's somebody that I know that I will just be able to talk about it and receive no judgment potentially not even advice you know she knows yeah. that's not what it's about <laughs> she knows that exactly. I just need to, to offload and vice vice versa And there's a few people that I can be really really vulnerable with and it is really important that you've got a few people that you can be vulnerable with because there are times where you might feel frightened you know that your pipeline isn't looking strong enough or that too many companies you know are not saying yes and that can can make you feel like you want to run back to your, you know, your former life, whatever it is that you did before you set up your business. So, um, so, yeah. So, you know, build a community of trusted people that you can lean on when you need to and obviously be there for them, too. That's that's one thing that has um, really helped me. And also, you know, there's a little bit of, of you know, I have a, like an inner chanting of when I do have one of those disappointing experiences or things aren't going perfectly well, I remind myself of all the positive aspects of running my own business. So number one, the work that I get to do I enjoy it more than any other work that I've ever done, you know, I find it's more creative, more stimulating, more rewarding. So I just kind of keep reminding myself of that. It's like it's like taking a, you know, a small sip from a very very, you know, rich delicious drink. It is rather than, you know, drinking a lot of, <laughs> <or blandiness>, wine, <laughs> you know, so it is, I keep reminding myself of that. And then also, I also remind myself of what I get on a personal level by being my own boss, which is that if I want to take a day off and spend it with my son and go to the beach, that I actually do have it within my power to do that. Um, and a lot of the work that I do can be delivered virtually and remotely, which means that I get to drop him off to nursery, pick him up, have quality time with him, choose not to work weekends, that sort of thing. And that is a massive privilege and I keep reminding myself of that as well. That I possibly wouldn't have that um, if I was still, you know, employed by someone else. So those are my those are my three things for you know for handling the the difficult times.
0: Thank you so much for sharing this with us. I think you've shown a lot of vulnerability, and it is real, right? Uh, and I also love the combination that you have. Uh, it goes from within, but also from outside. Like there is this realization that you can do a lot within, let's say, your own energies and your own mantras and your own <laughs> manifestation of, of things. But sometimes we ju- we just need some 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 you know heart to heart conversation, and it is really helpful indeed, uh, Jenny. If there is one call out that you would like to do to our peers, right? To the, to the ecosystem of DEI specialists, professionals, talent acquisition, anything that you would like to, I don't know, envision
1: for us. Hmm. I think that my, yeah, I think that I would like us to all come together and and challenge some of the common themes that we're experiencing. So by that, I mean, um, doing work for free. No. That's a priv- That's a privilege. If you can work yes. for free, that is a privilege. That means that you've got some level of sp- financial stability that allows you to do work for free. But I, you know, I would say that as a DEI person, you know, I'm probably one of the least marginalized, you know, individuals working in my space. And there are individuals that are, more greatly marginalized than I am, who are doing amazing work. And every time we say yes to free free opportunities and, and giving away our services for free, we are impacting on the entire DEI community. And that's something that I think we all need to come together to, um, to, to work on, um, is, is really knowing our worth and knowing our value and really, you know, as much as possible, trying to say no to being um, exploited. And when it comes to working for free, you know, it's, it's a broad list of scenarios. It can also be companies thinking that they only need to pay you to deliver the actual program that they want and none of the prep, the discovery work, the customization, all of that piece that takes hours and hours of not just time, but also brain power, which is, and that brain power is supplied by decades of experience. And we need to put, we need to place a greater value on that. So I think that's probably my my piece for now is that we all need to kind of come together in solidar- solidarity and really know our worth and as much as possible, try and, try and say no to that unintentional but very very clear exploitation of our of our services and our value
0: jenny thank you very very much for being today here with me i learned a lot and i'm sure our audience will do
1: too thank you so much for having me oana and it's just been lovely getting to know you thank you so much for staying with us for the entire episode You
0: are the best. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe to the We Include podcast on Spotify or the podcast provider of your choice. And don't forget to share in your networks. It's highly appreciated. You can find me on LinkedIn for suggestions of initiatives and topics you'd like to see covered in future episodes. They are coming out weekly. Till next time, take care.